Welcome to the Path 5 Podcast. The Path 5 team is a dedicated group of professionals hailing from diverse backgrounds, all anchored in making the world a safer place. Thanks for joining us while we dive into today's topic. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to episode 14 of season one of the Path 5 podcast. Can't believe we're already 14 episodes in, boys. It's been uh it's been a wild ride. Started this mainly to get some positivity out there during the uh, dark days of initial ban of COVID where we we're going to flatten the curve and solve this thing and here we are flattening the curve again and not solving this thing. So, pretty interesting how uh, the whole COVID crisis has come full circle. But we're not going to talk about that. You want to know why we're not going to talk about that? Because there's an election that just happened, which is exactly why we're not going to talk about that either. Because the only two things you hear in the media these days, you talk about COVID and talk about how there was no voter fraud. Oh, no. I heard about this other thing in the news. Oh, no, wait. No, I didn't. Oh, oh no. no. Yeah. It's almost like the entirety of the world has stopped doing bad shit to each other as a result of the U.S. presidential election, which we all know to be false. Yet, for some reason, we are spoon-fed a highly opinionated, polarized, highly filtered information every day. And we take it, and we eat it, and we carry on with our day. So we're not going to do that, because that is not part of the Path 5 mission. Part of the Path 5 mission is to accurately inform people accurately inform not push our agenda just let people know what's going on so that's what we're going to do today guys we're going to talk about what's going on in the world the rest of the world not just the world that mainstream media wants us to believe we live in so it's pretty pretty interesting so Basically, what we were doing is we were, we were sitting around the other day, we were shooting the shit, and we were, we were just discussing, like, man, you know, all these things that we've talked about in some of these past episodes, like looking at Venezuela, uh, we talked about Iran, we looked at uh, high potential of World War Three kicking off earlier this year, right? January timeframe, December of last year, even, with... Uh, Iran hitting a, a U.S. base with uh, rockets after we had smoked one of their top generals. And we were in this precarious position, but we just haven't heard about it at all since then. Not a damn thing. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're just going to peel back the onion a little bit, see what's actually going on out there, and uh, not just regurgitate what our mainstream media in the U.S. is Trying to get everybody to believe because, uh, frankly, it's pretty disgusting. Uh, so anyhow, why don't we go ahead and turn it over to our boy Da Vinci and local South American hombre. What you got? What's going on down there? Hola, muchas gracias, Midas, por the introduction de... No, just kidding. I've been practicing... Ooh. That was good. <laughs> I've been practicing. Um, nice, man. Thanks, Midas. Um, yeah. 
What's up, guys? It's Da Vinci. So, being stationed down here in South Florida, mostly focused on uh, South America and that whole area of responsibility, I've been fairly focused on what's going on down there. So, I'm just going to kind of give you some highlights. Um, if you have more questions or whatever, uh, definitely hit us up on Instagram or in the comments on the uh, on the podcast. But so if you guys think back to several months ago, we talked quite extensively uh, about Venezuela at one point, like Midas mentioned, and there was a certain Russian oil company who may or may not have been state run <laughs> uh, that were pulling out of Venezuelan oil. Right. So we had our uh, government, the U S government sanctions placed on Venezuela uh, because of Nicolas Maduro and his regime down there. And we've been increasing the pressure on um, international trade, oil, etc. on Venezuela. So now we are four or five months down the road and <laughs> uh, not going to say that we called it, but it's uh, Venezuelan oil is feeling it. It's, it's working and it's, it's working in a big way. So in Venezuela, the country with the largest known oil reserves in the world, which I think we may have mentioned, uh, I don't know if we were that explicit about it, but it's got 20% of the world's oil reserves, guys. Like that is nuts. You know, you think of UAE, Saudi Arabia, Iran, like some of these maybe South Southwest Asia or excuse me, Southeast Asia, like Myanmar, these other companies, countries that you never really think of South America when you think of oil reserves, maybe Russia or Alaska, but no kidding. 20% of the world reserves this country is no longer pumping for oil. What? Like, did you guys know that? There, There's hardly any rigs running in Venezuela. I don't know if anybody had heard that or not, but... Yeah, it's... it's pretty baller. It's, it's kind of weird, dude. Or and bonkers, I, not depending on your perspective. <laughs> right, and objectively, we can't even say that that's from U.S. sanctions, right? Obviously, it's had Absolutely. a huge impact, but... Absolutely. There's other customers they can go to. You know, we even talked about that in a podcast, and we've seen that as a result since our our podcast on Venezuela, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's like how how disorganized are you guys that you can't create a new market with that much resource? Absolutely, it's just crazy. And yeah, and I'll touch on that too because you're right. It's not solely we can't just we can't just look at the calendar and say, yep. Sanctions imposed on this day, oil production started decreasing this day. You're absolutely right. And it definitely speaks to um, some of the policies and procedures that the Maduro regime has in place. I'm sure that has quite a bit to do with it. The poverty, the disorder, um, all of that combines to decimate the Venezuelan oil industry. So, just to give you some numbers, since I'm the I'm the nerdy numbers guy on the team, and uh, Da Vinci, my namesake, also enjoyed numbers, so maybe one of the reasons I got the name. Uh, <laughs> Ten years ago, Venezuela was producing over ninety billion dollars 
in oil every year. Every year, $90 billion. This year, they will barely projected to. They haven't got there yet. We're pretty close to the end of the year, but they're barely going to cross the $2 billion mark to be with a billion. So that's a, a $88 billion decrease in a decade. So if that doesn't take a huge chunk out of your GDP, I don't know. Well, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Just so imagine being a person, imagine being a person that had previously worked in the oil industry in that country, seeing those numbers and realizing that it's a hundred percent due to your regime who's in charge. And then imagine not mobilizing and taking them out. Like just, just picture that real quick. We've, we've got neckbeard mother in my lovely new state of Michigan wanting to kidnap the Michigan governor for COVID restrictions. And these fucking people have taken an, an enormous hit. There's people in the streets because they don't even have enough food for their population. Right. And Maduro stays in power. Picture that. Yep. And what do they do? They hire Silver Corp. Come on, boys. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah, they've got figured they, out. They've got some serious reasons to riot. That's that's for sure. But yeah, good point. I mean, it it really is. I mean, people are starving, and Maduro is, you know, they're selling gold reserves to Iran to preserve Caracas. Uh, you know, they'll get a shipment of oil here and there from Iran, and it'll be normal for a few weeks. Just he's just preserving the facade of of normalcy in the capital and essentially the rest of the country is just falling apart around him. But yeah, let's sell off our, our gold reserves to Iran of all people. I guess they're probably some of the only people that would sell to him, but that's uh, another story. So getting back to uh, getting back to the numbers, the production in Venezuela right now of oil is the lowest that it's been in a century, a hundred years. Like, Think back to what was going on in 1920, you know, like World War One. They were producing oil, probably selling it. I didn't do I didn't go back 100 years in my research. OK, sorry, but I'm sure they were selling it to. Hopefully us. I don't know. A lot of Nazis ended up down there, so maybe they were selling it to Germany. Who knows? But they were producing oil a century ago, and now we're the lowest that we've been since basically the invention of the internal combustion engine. So pretty freaking low. Like yeah. an example, the the town of Cabimas near uh, Lake Maracaibo was that's this is like one of the central uh, oil producing regions in Venezuela. Uh, basically, the city is the jewel of the Venezuelan oil industry ten years ago, right? Okay, and yeah. they're enjoying benefits that we attribute to like. Um, the UAE or some of the other emirates in the Gulf region, you know, where none of their citizens have to work. They get free this, they get free that, they get stipends from the government. Similar to yeah, what Alaska has. Kind you know? of disgusting. Yeah. Like Alaska, you get a thousand to fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand dollars a year if you live there because of the oil production there. So similar thing going on in Cabimas and the the region down there near uh, Maracaibo, but this area is literally flooding with oil 
I mean, it's literally coming up through the street sewer vents, like through the storm sewers because of the lack of production. So these oil wells are still producing oil. Wow. And they're just not pumping it. So these abandoned oil rigs and oil pipelines are literally flooding the streets and smearing buildings, you know, when it rains or when it floods, that water, because the oil is floating on top of water, literally comes up through the sewer vents and is flooding the streets. So people are walking through oil and they're not making any money on it. It's just running away with the water. I am. Well, it's not like they're making any money on fishing in Lake Maracaibo because I got excited when I heard about this lake. I was like, oh, man, dude, I'll bet there's some gnarly, gnarly fish in there. But not if they're killing the entire (laughs) lake with freaking oil. I think just just Godzilla fish, just Godzilla fish. Yeah, I think we're reading like way too far into this. I just think more Venezuelans are driving Teslas. That could be the case. Boomer. Okay. (laughs) Elon Musk is down there. Oh yeah. He's definitely giving away Teslas. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it, but yeah, like it just blows my mind. You know, we're I'm, I'm Maduro. I'm selling my gold reserves for oil. When one of the most profitable regions in the world, probably for oil is literally flooding the streets with oil. How does yeah, that dude, make any sense? It's like mind blowing levels of incompetence and fuckery. Oh, it's, it's just, insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But yeah, getting back to Maduro, like these oil rigs are being literally scrapped for metal parts and his sandcastle of a regime is literally crumbling around him and oil is literally bubbling from the base of that sandcastle liquid gold and it's just bubbling right out and that's what that country used to be built on and he's just letting it slip right out of his fingers and it's crazy but you know who's uh like you said Midas going back to uh the rioting and looting so police convoys are actually being stopped, you know, cause they're carrying food and supplies probably to Maduro's buddies that live up in the mountains. I'm not sure. I haven't done that research. So that's not a, that's not a fact check. If you guys so want to blow us up probable. on that. Yeah. Just, just yeah. saying based Could on experience. Yeah. yeah, of course. And this is a time where in my mind, it's very reasonable to attack police officers and ride in the streets and, roadblock when you're trying to steal food from the cops who are taking it to the president's rich buddies. You yeah, know? you know, everybody's doing it, you know. Yeah. It's it's a trend. Why not? You know? It's like shiplap, yeah. you know, it'll be around for a few years. Hopefully it goes away. <laughs> um <laughs> but now we've got Russia pulling out, we've got the US imposing sanctions. Who is gonna step in? And this will probably be a theme throughout this, hopefully maybe, but you probably can guess it. China. I've been telling people it's China. It comes from China. They come here. We know it's China. Okay. <laughs> oh man, folks, you just got a free trip. <laughs> yeah. So the mind of POTUS. Like, so China, we've imposed all these sanctions, right? And they continue to receive oil from Venezuela. Even throughout this whole uh not blockade, but you know, 
sanctions imposed by the U.S. And China is still getting oil. Obviously, it's decreased since their production, the Venezuela's printed production is only $2 billion. But they're, st- they're continuing to buy oil from, from Venezuela. It just shows up in China as marked Myanmar oil, not Venezuelan oil. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Another highly stable yeah, country that exactly. doesn't have any issues. But this just goes back to, we've mentioned a little bit about China. It's just another kind of notch in their belt where China steps into the void, which they really like to do, whether it be war ravaged areas, third world countries or so-called second world countries um, where they've, you know, U.S. isn't taking a stand. Russia has kind of backed off and who's going to step in China because that's what they do. That's their hundred year plan. If you guys haven't researched China's hundred year plan, look it up. It's pretty freaking interesting and also should be, uh, should be pretty scary for, for most of us. Yeah, especially uh, sitting in a nation that hasn't had a good foreign policy since, uh, I don't know, post-World War II Marshall Plan, right? Yeah. What, what did we have, the domino effect? Sure. Oh, wow. How effective <laughs> was that? No kidding. So, yeah, I mean, you do have to at least respect a country that's like, here's our 100-year plan. Because reaching out 100 years is it's a stretch, right? A lot of countries don't even make it that long. Yeah, but <laughs> mostly what our media covers is, is hundred day plan after a president becomes president. You know, right? Big, big yeah, difference it, there. Ex- exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's chess, right? It's not checkers, and it that is something that we really need to take home. Um, just the fact that we need to develop a proper foreign policy. Should I have a hundred year plan for Path Five? Yep, and as uh, as the U.S. Great- doesn't. <laughs> As the great Irish once said, it's not even it's not even checkers or chess. It's Chinese checkers. And if you haven't played that shit, you know why we're in trouble with China. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky stuff. Anywho. Anywho, getting back on. to it. All right. Mexican cartels. That's another fun one. I'm sure that we've all heard about uh, the Mexican government increasing. It's uh, has been increasingly ineffective. It's been so-called increasing its uh, efforts to combat the Mexican cartels, but has been increasingly ineffective. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. When it comes to Mexican and other Latin American cartels. So we already kind of, we didn't really talk about Mexico, but we talked about this recently in our uh, narco sandbox edition. um, When we're talking about, Drugs coming out of Afghanistan. If you guys didn't get a chance to check that out, super fun episode. It's kind of long, but it's worth it. I promise. Oh, yeah, for sure. But 90% of heroin is coming out of Mexico and Afghanistan. And I struggled to find um, where that is coming from. But I did find some pretty interesting stuff when it comes to China and their relationship with Mexico. But before I get to that, the um, we've seen a rise in violence, right, in Mexico. Midas and I were talking earlier last week. Uh, there was a, a convoy. Was it police? I think what I saw was either police or one cartel had 
schwacked a convoy. But it was super weird. I I could not find hardly anything on it. I found like one article. Yeah. And it's yeah. so it's this convoy. And I, if you guys haven't seen um military cartel convoy on YouTube, look it up because you see this convoy and you think, oh my gosh, that's like FBI's hostage rescue team or SWAT or you know the Mexican equivalent. And it's not. It's this armored convoy, probably 50 trucks long. I mean, they like they have literal it looks like uh oh, what's that movie? The from the eighties, the post apocalyptic with Mel Gibson, the Mad road. Max. Mad, Mad Max. Max. It looks straight up Mad Max. I mean, yeah. they've got flashers and big ass like just uh like snow plows on the front, the things they put on the front of trains to like move cattle, uh cattle guards, like I mean it was insane. And one cartel comes in, takes out this other cartel. No obviously Probably none of you have heard about it. Doesn't make the news, but no bodies are found. No, like nothing. It was, they estimate something like 20 people just poof, gone. No bodies, just insane. But yeah, so that's kind of like the opposite of Maduro handling Venezuela's oil uh, situation in my mind. Like the <laughs> yeah. coordination it takes very to direct. Yeah. Ambush a convoy and then clear out all the bodies to the point where nobody even knows who really did it. I mean, they have an idea, right? There's sure. a startup cartel that they think it was, but I, I am mildly impressed. Oh and, yeah. And it, it sounds counterintuitive, but I think a lot of you guys are probably going to understand what I'm saying here is like, I feel like organized crime in the past 50 years in America has been sad. They've been pathetic, right? They don't, even right now, gangs in Chicago, what are they doing? They're just blasting each other with 38s and all kinds of random stuff. You'll see an AR here and AR there, but they aren't coordinated. They aren't traveling in armored convoys. They're not and granted, we don't have the law enforcement situation that allows them to do that. But never across the entire planet have you seen criminal organizations actually functioning at the level that their revenue would allow them to. You know what I mean? Like they, they didn't have that state-of-the-art gear. They didn't have the training. They didn't have the personnel. And some of these cartels are stepping up and they are cementing themselves as fairly <laughs> formidable uh, fighting forces, which, you know, sucks for the good guys, but it's also, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why that didn't happen a long time ago. Right. Like they've had the money. Right. Yeah. So why are they just now figuring it out? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Isn't it? Like, have you guys ever thought that? I, yeah. I mean, that's, that is a, that's a heck of a point. The only thing that I can say to that is, you bring this to me on the day of my best podcast. You asked me to do this for you. I'm Don Corleone. What do you want from me? You know? That's all yeah, I got to say to that. You guys like, the, yeah, the Sicilian mob, a bunch of guys sitting around with 38s. Like, yeah, come on. It's, you it, can do better. The organization that we saw 60, 80 years ago in this country, it's kind of, well, it's gone underground, but. It's it's way out in the open in Mexico. 
That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. To wrap up my, uh, my cartel and we can move on. So just this week, the, the attorney general, so we're seeing a little bit of a shift already, maybe, um, after our elections, he, uh, took his, (laughs) somebody's messing with my notes. He has dropped charges. Boomer. He's dropped charges on essentially the former secretary of defense minister of Mexico. That's not his proper title. Um, but essentially that's who it was. Right. And he is charged with, uh, allegedly, I'll air quote that allegedly taking bribes from the H2 cartel based in Sinaloa and a couple other areas. You probably heard of the Sinaloa cartel, um, but took bribes and used the Mexican military. So picture, um, you know, former secretary of defense taking bribes from, you know, uh, an American crime syndicate and literally using like green berets, Navy seals, army Rangers to take out their opposition. I mean, that's what this guy was doing, right? So he was taking the Mexican military and attacking other groups. Classic central America. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Just crazy. But like going back to what I was saying a minute ago about Mexico and Afghanistan and the heroin production. Now I was really struggling to find, uh, routes to that. If you guys have any info on that, I'd be really interested to hear it. Um, not going to say that China is transporting Afghan heroin to Mexico, but I do know that Chinese triads and syndicates are operating with cartels to traffic, not only drugs, they're supplying them, especially with the trade war started last fall. They've been supplying Mexican cartels with a lot of chemicals that are used in the production of drugs. Um, so with the trade war with the U.S., what does China do? How do we subvert that? You know, second, third order effects that like we'd like to talk about on this team. China, U.S. trade war. Okay, how do we subvert the U.S.? Okay, let's supply Mexican cartels with more chemicals. Hence, Mexican cartels become stronger, become richer than they move more product into the U S becomes more destabilizing. Like Midas mentioned any areas that are producing things like heroin and meth and consuming them inherently become destabilized. Right? So China has been moving not only these chemicals, but also people. So they're moving people from Mexico, from Asia to Mexico, and then from Mexico into the U S and Canada. Now these syndicates and triads are, making roughly $70,000 or $70,000 per person and more than 700, more than a quarter or three quarters of a billion dollars a year, $750 million a year in human trafficking between Mexico and the United States and Canada. So North America and that based on our research, that was the largest transnational criminal linkage between Asia and uh and north america which is pretty mind-blowing considering the drug trade but yeah that's that's the largest linkage that's actually out there and you know that's open source you guys can look that up uh 
but pretty wild. So that is what I have on the cartels. And the last thing I have before I turn you back over to Midas is Peru. So really recently, this is like in the last two weeks, um, you guys have probably heard Peru's uh, definitely a little bit of a shit show right now. And this this will tie back in, I promise. But it's a little bit interesting to me when you look at Peru, who has had a fairly stable government. They've got a strong bilateral relationship with the United States. And it's been that way for years. And Lima all of a sudden just blows up. Uh, Martin Viscata, he's been there president or prime minister for a number of years. He's demonstrated and voiced strong willingness to continue to work with the United States. And he was ousted last week and his replacement, it was, it was not a necessarily violent coup. It was, he was voted out kind of in a, I guess you would call it a, like a runoff or uh, like an impeachment type process, but it was kind of out of nowhere. And just was all right here's the door see ya thanks for nothing and his replacement lasted for five days during those five days crazy protests because people enjoy a strong relationship with the u.s you can argue that martin viscaro is maybe modeling himself on some other wannabe dictators in the world uh he dissolved the congress i think last fall but was still presiding over a fairly peaceful and profitable Peru, um, from what I understand. I haven't been able to research that one this much, uh, this one that much because it's fairly new. Uh, so forgive me for uh, a lack of detail on this one, but it's interesting to me because of the involvement, again, of China. So in the past year, China promised to build a mega port north of Lima for fishing. So as we know, China loves to come in, build things, and people think, oh, we're going to get jobs for our people. We're going to get this. We're going to get that. And China tends to just bring in their own folks, right? Yep. And then last fall, they promised that, build this big old port north of Lima. Now the Chinese flotilla <laughs> is literally a fishing flotilla, you know, like tons of vessels are, are coming to Peruvian waters to fish off of the coast of South America. And that's just this past October. Chinese medics arrive in May in force to support uh, Lima and the country of Peru with their pandemic, their COVID pandemic outbreak. And it's just a little co too coincidental in my mind that all of these things happen in a very stable Peru. And after a certain number of time, a certain amount of time involved with China, we now see the government overturned, mass protesting in the capital, and there you have it. Very interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, exactly. Just and saying. The whole fishing flotilla thing is really interesting for me um, because you actually saw a very similar thing happening in Kenya. Ooh. Yeah, uh, a couple of years back, yep. I remember. Uh, was that like 2017, 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. When I was like diving into the CA side of the house and I was really looking at uh, focusing on Africa, 
I did a little research on that and literally these Chinese fishing flotillas were showing up and they were completely overfishing the waters, not paying attention to any sort of um, limitations that are put in place in order to sustain a, a successful right. hatchery for the fish. And they were therefore just flooding the market with cheap fish, which were absolutely destroying the local Kenyan fishing economy. Right. Total disregard for the regulation there. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They just, they literally, they're like honey badgers do. They don't give a shit. Like, yeah. And, and their influence in Africa has extended far beyond that, which is pretty interesting. Um, for sure. Which actually leads us, uh, to another point, another little section of this podcast for you guys. So fundamentally, and I probably should have mentioned this right in the intro, but we're focusing on South America, Africa, and Europe. For updates on this particular one, uh, we're going to dive into Asia another time. So this isn't like a five-hour-long podcast, like a Joe Rogan special. Um, so this is a really good overview of about half the planet. Speaking of half the planet, another thing I want to highlight here when we're looking at South America. So one of the last times, besides the Marshall Plan, that the U.S. had a dedicated foreign policy statement was the Monroe Doctrine, which fundamentally stated that we were opposed to European colonization in the Western Hemisphere, uh, which, of course, encompassed North America, Central America, and South America. And it's almost like now... If I could sit in the Oval Office, I would probably enact a, a similar doctrine, except not so much focused on countering European colonialism, but focus on China. Because they are really, really extending their influence into, uh, I'm not, I don't even want to call it our hemisphere, because that just sounds so pompous. But at the same time, if we chose it to be our area of operations, it could be that way. Um, and we could get out of the Middle East and quit half-assing around there. So it's just something to think about, guys, foreign policy-wise, right? View this kind of stuff through that lens and, and really have that deep thought, if that makes sense. So I'm about to turn things over to Boomer uh, to take away the conversation about one of my favorite continents... That's right. It's Africa. All right, Boomer. What's going on in my All favorite right, continent? Perfect. So I guess first things first, I have to apologize. I had a, a few week leave of absence and now I'm back. And in typical Boomer fashion, I, I'm now on Zencaster, which is different than uh, where I was at before, but I, I have a potato for a mic. So yeah, it sounds quite bad. Um, let's all peer pressure him into buying a microphone. Uh, so feel free to do that on our Instagram in the comment section. I'd really appreciate that. Or you can buy a mic. Buy a mic. You can donate uh, money on my OnlyFans account, and I'll do dirty things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we don't want to see the pinwheel. All right, Boomer. <laughs> oh my god, we do not want to see that. <laughs> No green, oh, no goat, none, none, of, none of that, none of that. Maybe, maybe we should just have an OnlyFans account where we just talk to people only about fans? current events. 
Yeah. Not where we people, just pimp people ourselves out. Buy that. No, 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 no. Not like that, you know. <laughs> that doesn't <Anyhow>. help. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so Africa. All right, so Africa right now is – it's it's a pretty interesting topic. And um, what's what's interesting is, you know, the, the problems in Africa are real. They should mean a lot to the international community, and they should be covered in the mainstream media for a variety of different reasons. But – they're, they're just they're just not um so like before i keep going let's back up for a minute and and take a second to think back on like the times when we've really seen africa covered in the news okay and when i say covered in the news i mean more than more than a passing blur because most stuff like the way i did my research for this topic i found a news article um, but it disappears, right? So like something that captures an audience for, let's say, you know, more than a week. Um, so I don't know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that was probably back in like the era of the Arab Spring back in like 2010, 2011, like nearly a decade ago. And, and let's face it. You know, yeah, there was the NATO intervention in Libya, which was a big deal on a lot of different levels. But really kind of looking back at it, all anybody really cared about was the Benghazi scandal. And and that's what made the news. And, you know, not to sound callous, but let's face it, I don't think many people cared too much about the loss of American lives so much as they cared about hashtagging lock her up and like fueling an all out anti-Hillary campaign. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and this can be pretty unpopular with a lot of our listeners and I get that guys, but we're here to kind of provoke that thought, right? Because like it or not, we might be the, I'd say the more keen, uh, the more experienced people out there, but at the same time, we collectively as a, as a group um, in our community need to understand that we too can be, um, I guess, mobilized uh, towards a certain cause on mass. Right. So, and I do kind of agree with that. It's like, I also think it was just the whole story behind it. Right. And it was just these guys that were hung out to dry and Americans were appalled that they were put out there in these conditions and I literally went and saw the same type of conditions that I've can't in 2019. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think anything was learned from that at all. Um, and I, I think it was just like a Hillary for prison type deal, which, you know, it's probably pretty accurate. Honestly, if anybody else would have done what she did, they'd be locked up right now. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. It is what it is. This seems to be how things work these days. So I will... Uh, I'll kick it back to you here. Yeah. So, so then shortly after that, like following right on the heels of that in like 2012 ish, if you remember the, the stop Joseph Coney, uh, social media movement. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, back a few years further, you know, there was the live aid international benefit concert. Then before that, no, Live, sorry, Live Aid came first, and then Live Eight was 
after that. I, I get the two mixed up. But anyways, these two huge like international benefit concerts to like bring about awareness of issues going on in Africa, right? And then like I remember growing up and you used to see all those infomercials. Some of them were just like during a commercial break. Some of them were like 30 minutes long where you could watch like, you know, that old guy with the beard tell you that for 30 cents a day, you could feed an African child. So like Africa makes the news, but the past decade seems to have kind of revealed like what our true appetite for actually dealing with problems in Africa is. Unfortunately, it kind of seems like a lot of it stops at thoughts and prayers being doled out over social media or just through simply throwing, you know, money at the problem, which in the majority of those instances, the money actually never makes it to the problem. Uh, yeah. And Angelina can only adopt so many children. So <laughs> right. Yeah. She's, There's got to be another place where the rubber meets the road, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And we found, we found out the hard way how throwing money at a problem, AKA, Afghanistan has worked for the last uh, almost 20 years. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so inter- interestingly enough, sorry, there there is a legitimate U.S. military presence in Africa. Um, you occasionally hear about it on the news and, you know, they're doing the absolute best they can to build host nation partnerships. Um, but it's probably, I mean, short of like the true secret, secret squirrel stuff. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, it's probably like the most clandestine operation that we have going on today that like just the general American populace isn't well informed of. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. And, and none of this is like, it, it's, it's not, like I said, it's not super secret stuff. Like, you can go on Google and figure out what we're doing there like pretty quickly. It's just, it doesn't show up in the news. Um, Probably if you talk to nine out of 10 people about this topic, nobody would have any idea that we have a military presence in Africa. And certainly they wouldn't even know why we were there. Um, Yeah. Apart from uh, memes of a Rosaris SAS guy, Christian Craighead, with glowing red eyes in Kenya, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's super under the radar, man. It's just something that people just don't realize, but right. Americans these days can barely see anything beyond the tip of their nose. So it's, it's kind of understandable. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally got stopped in the airport when I was deploying, you know, people, thank you for your service. Oh, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to Afghanistan. Oh, we're still there. And that was two years ago. Like, so if people don't know that we're still in Afghanistan, they're sure as heck not going to know that we're still in Africa. Like, it's pretty crazy how much we have to stick our head in the sand in this country. It's pretty wild. And so what makes Africa super relevant in today's day and age is that you aren't dealing with primitive warlords and tribes, you know, pirates, like, Hollywood would lead you to believe. I mean, yes, they, they, so they, they do exist. They are for sure. They are a problem, but they're not the new dominant threat that's emerging um, in that area. There's several huge new legitimate fighting forces 
Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, and then there's several different factions of ISIS that can like that operate in different territories. Cause like, and it, and it makes sense because if you think about Africa, I mean, Africa as a continent is, 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 is huge. Um, especially Northern Africa, just, just its physical dimensions. I mean, that is, that is a huge swath of land. It's nothing like the Middle East as far as, you know, to, to operate in, in an area like that. I mean, you're, you're covering a lot of territory. Um, so it kind of makes sense that there's several different factions of ISIS that are kind of rearing their heads. Um, you know, what, what's funny too, is that they're all like fundamentally jihadist groups, but <laughs> you know, it's kind of par for the course. They all have a different kind of vision of what that means. And so it leads to sort of inner inner faction funding. Um, and, and rather in realizing their strength and unity, um, they continuously clash with each other, which is kind of a common thing that I think we've seen in, in obviously multiple theaters. Um, right. And, and one quick point here, Boomer, is that this whole concept of ISIS, while they were intentionally trying to establish a caliphate in Iraq that had effectively taken hold for several months. Um, other than that dedicated movement, ISIS itself is nothing more than an idea. Because if you look back at several terrorist attacks that have taken place across the Middle East and European continent in the last five years, there are quite a few that align themselves with ISIS, yet had received no training no indoctrination, didn't have their ISIS library card. You know, none of these things that fully align them with ISIS as an organization. And and that's where, personally, as a, a student of counterterrorism and possessing a pretty good understanding of what the radicalization process looks like and how cells are actually set up, I think it's hilarious that in this country we label organizations like Antifa is nothing more than an idea. ISIS is nothing more than an idea. And look what that idea has done. So get that shit out your mouths, mm-hmm. open your eyes, look around you, mm-hmm. actually understand what an idea can do. And then dig into how loosely an organization can function under an idea yet still be effective And here you go. Welcome back to the real world where this is how it works. You feel me? That's yeah, that's, that's a very good point. (laughs) Not to, not to deviate too much, but as I'm, as I'm sitting here, one one of my friends just, just texted me an army time story. And with the comment, this is the most Kuwait deployment thing I've ever seen. And the title of the article is MPs handcuff detain National Guard chaplain in Kuwait for wearing headphones. So there you have it. Um, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Kuwait. Uh, Kuwait was a great place for me to sleep when I was on the way to a real war. And I really enjoyed your pool in zone one. Thank you so much. <laughs> there you go. So anyways, um, so, okay, so we're talking about current events, right, in, the, in this place. And so, you know, I'll tell you what, you search 
any one of those groups that I just mentioned and talked about in in the news section on, on your Google on your Google search engine, and you're going to get about a thousand different stories because between Al Shabaab, Boko Haram, and different ISIS factions in, in Africa, there's there's something newsworthy every single day. So I mean, y- y- you pick, right? So um, hey, but- hey, Boomer, can I interject there real quick? Yeah. I just want to make sure that everybody understands when you say news, you're not talking about their Facebook news feed. Okay. You're That's talking true. about the actual news. <laughs> Going out and finding real news. Yes. Find real news, people, not what your your super far right buddy or your super far left enemy has to say about the problem or issue or idea, right? Go out and find exactly. actual news. That's what Boomer's talking about. Okay. It's not your news feed. Get out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that's that's a that's a very good point. Um, so, you know, just last week, uh, there were six Nigerians who were uh, living in the UAE and they were convicted um, by by said government for laundering what they accounted for to be, you know, just shy of about a million dollars um, to their Boko Haram buddies. And, and, you know, so that's, that's just, that's just one instance. Like these six guys were the unlucky ones who, I don't know, got phone tapped or talked about it on social media or somebody rat, you know, somebody ratted on them. So like these, these groups are getting serious amounts of cash delivered to them. And, and these Nigerians were living in the UAE. So it's, it's not just a, you know, it's evidence that it's not just an African problem. I mean, there are outside actors who are are paying and funding these groups um, to kind of do their bidding. So I thought that was a particularly kind of interesting news story. Um, and uh, we were talking about ambushes and stuff like that. And, you know, there was uh, uh, with the, with the Mexican cartel and something very, very similar happened. Um, not too, uh, not too long ago. Um, and, involving the West African, sorry, I'm kind of taking a look at my notes, the West African faction of ISIS. I think it was in Cameroon, um, but I didn't jot that down. So I'll have to fact check myself. Um, And then I'll tell you what, you think that we've got it bad because of schools closing for for COVID related reasons, right? And how much of an inconvenience that is. Um, In Cameroon, there are 60 schools, roughly, that are in close proximity to the Nigerian border. And I don't know what their definition of close proximity is, um, but they've closed all of their schools that are close to the Nigerian border, not out of fear of COVID, but the fact that um, Boko Haram has been hitting schools and destroying them. Um, in the past two months, they've destroyed 13 of those schools. And so it's a serious threat for all of the, the children who are trying to attend classes. Um, and then to follow on the topic of the country of Cameroon, their military has come out and said that they've been attacked by Boko Haram factions at least three times every week every month uh, since last January. So for the entire year um, and it, you know, it doesn't 
we don't know the scale of those attacks and what that really means and um you know whether or not there are any casualties inflicted but that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty bold thing i mean they're they're demonstrating that they're capable of um, operating consistently and sustaining their their operations against um, some of these government forces yeah yeah that, that's a great point and once again go back to the whole counterterrorism um kind of education process that I went through was looking at the number one enemy of terrorism is fundamentally education, right? Because it provides people opportunities. It provides them perspective. It provides them with an outlook that um, can really just bring them into the world of, of science and math and other occupational identities that do not involve radical Islam. Um, so it's like these guys are deliberately targeting schools because they are their biggest generational threat, right? Looking forward. Once again, they're, they're playing the long game, uh, which I I need to highlight. A lot of people don't quite capture that essence. They don't quite understand that. That, That's a big deal. Like they are literally going after their core enemy, which is, uh, intelligent people. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, and and I mean, look, the, the list just goes on and on and on. Ethiopia is on the brink of civil war right now um, as one of their northern provinces. Um, Tigray has recently come under fire, including airstrikes by their own government forces. Um, oh, and, and so so get this. Here's a good one. So this is this is the title of a news article that I found from October 31st of this year. So quite literally just a couple of weeks ago. And the title of the news article is SEAL Team Makes Dramatic Pre-Dawn Hostage Rescue of American in Nigeria. I mean, (laughs) yeah, like tears of the sun type movie shit for real. I mean, this is, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is quite literally Hollywood stuff. This is the type of stuff that Midas used to watch when he was 10 years old. All right. So first of all, yeah, I totally did go see Tears of the Sun in theaters with my dad. Uh, well, at least you weren't 45 down. like Boomer. Okay. He was 45 <laughs> when he saw that movie in theaters. well no no it was actually funny so he was i believe you're at like a sleepover or something boomer a number of years later and and that movie had popped up and you're like oh we can watch this it can't be can't be so bad might just watch it when he was 10 in the opening scene you see like eight people get ak'd in the street and you're like oh it explained to me the why or the why you are the way that you are today you know it wasn't like it, it wasn't really like uh you know Hollywood formed me into who I am cuz I'd I would definitely be a a navy seal uh but no I just I don't know man it was just that kind of formative experience where you know I was 10 years old and I was kind of like looking at their their use of a bounding breaking contact right I was like oh okay that's pretty good oh yeah he's got a suppressing position that's not bad and like that's that's magical. 
that's just magical, man. Sitting there with Sour Patch Kids as a 10-year-old, learning basic tactics, it's majestic. It's what every American young young boy and girl should learn. <laughs> there you go. And so, I mean, quite literally, so the, the team did a halo insertion, moved on foot for three miles, got into a huge firefight. thought it was six miles. I read three. Well, it, you know, there, there you go. Who knows? Uh, in the movie, it's going to be 18 miles <laughs> for sure. Someone's going to sprain their ankle. Wait for it, guys. <laughs> three miles in, 60 miles out, uphill both ways. Under fire the whole time. Attacked in by the gorillas. Rain. Oh, yeah. King oh, Kong yeah. shows up. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, they rescued some guy named Philip Walton, who I don't really know. I didn't get a lot of information on him. It said that he was the son of a missionary, but, you know, who, who knows what that means. But, I mean. So. <laughs> what? Let, let's talk about that. Sorry to, to interject, to spin, up, to spin up that type of opera, operation. Wow, operation for the son of a missionary. That's pretty big. That's pretty big news. Yeah, let, let's exactly. Let's let's talk about the amount of resources that went into that. Right. So first of all, you had an entire dev crew team spun up for that, which could have been anywhere in the else, killing any other number of assholes. Instead, they're put on the back of a C seventeen at night burnt probably half a million dollars in fucking fuel getting them there. And then they jumped. So they used an entire batch of shoots with their $45,000 panoramic MVGs on. Like, just just think about the amount of resources that went into saving this one guy. He, yeah. And, And that's where it's like, oh, it's so badass. It's awesome. It's you know, the long, hard dog of America pulling through. It's like, yeah, sure it is. But then you got to be like, but was it worth it? Like, I get it was fun. I, I get it. I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. That sounds like an epic operation. I'm super happy that someone got to enjoy it. But at the same time, it's like, damn. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, you know, occasionally that stuff happens, right? I mean, we always do this like show of force type thing. I'm, I, I guess I haven't really thought of it. It's really no different than, you know, our response to the Captain Phillips hostage situation, right? I mean, oh, as I like to refer to it as the Easter turkey shoot. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was a pretty big show of force too. So, you know, I, we just do that every few years when there's a good opportunity. Um, but, but anyways, you know, yeah. So I guess the main point I'm trying to make here is that you just, you don't hear about any of this. Um, I mean, there's, there's crazy stuff going on here. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to, to kind of, to, to dig this up. It just, it's not, it's not what is showing up in your Facebook newsfeed to Da Vinci's point. Um, and that's what makes it uh, unheard of. Yeah, exactly. And it, think about our modern age, right? If you are a, we'll just say uh, a professional in the civilian industry of whatever you're choosing is, you wake up, you're pretty much rushing to get out the door 
unless you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning and nobody productive has time for that shit. So you get some alerts on your phone about news from the past day. You open your phone, you look at it, and those outlets are perfectly curated in accordance with mainstream media to give you a certain picture of the world. It just so happens in the last three weeks that the entire world disappeared, except for the United States of America, which is not true at all. Um, granted, it, it is incredibly important right now, but at the same time, there's just so much other stuff that's getting lost um, that is important just to maintain that awareness. Yeah, so I, I would I, say the past three months probably not just the past three weeks even though yeah yeah that's true the election has been very recent i feel like we've been so self-absorbed it's been much longer than that like just election season plus pandemic plus social unrest and social justice like we get all these things just fed to us via social media and mainstream fox news cnn msnbc you know it's all these different things so it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pandemic in itself, you know, that consumption of self, self-absorbed media ingestion. I mean, it's kind of grosses me out a little bit. Right. Cause if you guys remember, I don't know, probably 10 minutes ago, what did I say? The number one enemy of terrorism is education. And I, I don't mean institutional education either just i'm mainly referencing awareness about the world um that that could encompass religious beliefs that could encompass current events historical events all these things that mold together to provide us with a view of the world that we carry with us are just so important and currently that is being ripped away from the american people by these media outlets. And if we have ever seen an enemy to us as a people, our success as a nation, and our adherence to the Constitution, it is right here, right now, from the mainstream media. And it's sickening. And I don't have an answer for it. There's no one good answer. There just isn't. We just kind of have to ride the tide. And I hate saying that, but... We just do. We really do. And, and what one example of that, um, which was is pretty pretty interesting, um, recently revolved around a terrorist attack that we saw in Europe. So, and, and we're not even going to get into the entire uh, summary of the European continent like I wanted to, uh, because I have a whole piece I want to go into revolving around uh, Armenia and the nagorno barakh region uh, and recent conflict that's taken place there. So just to highlight one, one big current event that's recently occurred, which was the terrorist attack in uh, outside of Paris against a, a teacher um, not sure if he was a professor or just a, a teacher in France, but he was actually beheaded by a man who basically responded to a fatwa, which is basically a religious bounty in a sense, 
um, that was put on him by one of his students. And the student placed that on him using online um, chat boards, potentially even Reddit. I would not be surprised at all if it was Reddit. I haven't dug into it that deep. Um, but he basically did so after the teacher went over a lesson involving freedom of speech. And in that lesson, he even stated before it began, he said, hey, I'm going to reference some things that may be particularly um, upsetting to those with Islamic faith. You are welcome to leave uh, if you don't feel comfortable seeing this. And what he was referencing was this series of cartoons that were done a couple years back uh, depicting a Mohammed with a, a bomb in his turban trying to, and, and the whole effort behind the cartoon itself was basically to capture the, um, kind of like the, the hypocritical piece of radical Islam, uh, that we've all, all seen. And we all probably understand why it's hypocritical and why it's grotesque. So that particular, um, organization that published that cartoon was then involved in a mass shooting by an Islamic male, basically in retaliation for defacing the prophet Muhammad and, and making him uh, look like, I guess, something they didn't want him to be. They didn't want him to look like a terrorist, so the guy in turn functioned as a, a terrorist. So... With that being said, um, once again, hypocrisy and irony is afoot. And this this student was apparently highly triggered by the professor or teacher's lesson, uh, issued a fatwa. This one guy of Chechen descent drove over 100 miles and decapitated the man as he was leaving the school uh, before he was shot by French police. So... That's pretty wild. It's not like he just hit somebody in the head or even stabbed him. Like he actually went through the entire act of decapitating him. He did that anybody... out of the school? Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy was walking home from school um, where he was Jeez. attacked. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh... Like I remember hearing about that. I just didn't, I guess I didn't realize the context. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty nutty, dude. So at the end of the day, it just shows like, man, we can always view the world through this lens of reasonability if you're a reasonable person or through whatever lens you have. But it can be really hard to do so and capture that full fervor of somebody who's like fanatically motivated by religion, especially by religion, right? It's just such a powerful force in a lot of people's lives to the point where he drove over a hundred miles and decapitated a guy just for teaching a lesson about freedom of speech. It, it's just, it's like the perfect summary of where we've gone astray. And when I, where I say that is it's multidimensional. So, and this is what kind of sparked this conversation was the, the discussion about the media. So New York times posted an article about this event. And guess what they linked this event to, guys? Guess what they blamed this teacher getting decapitated on? They blamed it on France's inability to properly assimilate the Muslim community into its community. How the fuck is that acceptable? How do you say, France, you didn't do a good enough job assimilating all these 
immigrant populations into your culture. And therefore that's why this guy got his head chopped off. Like who makes that rhetorical leap to fallacy? It is just ridiculous. So, and this is the kind of stuff that's actually being promoted and placed in mainstream media in this country. Dude, it's in, just disgusting. In my mind, that is one, you're right. That's insane. <laughs> to make that jump, but two, to group the entire Muslim population or like immigration to like, Hey, we haven't properly assimilated the, the Muslim population or the Muslim immigrants. Like how does the majority, the vast majority of Islam and the Muslim population of any country have anything to do with one whack job that drives a hundred miles to decapitate a guy because of a fatwa in my mind that's insulting if i'm a muslim because why does my inability to assimilate because of france's you know lack of programs or acceptability or not accept acceptance like in my mind that's you're looping in a, a overarchingly peaceful people, right? The the Muslim faith is overarchingly peaceful. Majority of them very peaceful, very caring. Yeah. They give yeah. a lot to charity. It's it, it's a you know, I mean, I I'm not a Muslim myself, but it's a very peaceful religion. If you look at you know the Quran and the teachings that are there. I studied Arabic for a little bit in college and we studied fairly extensively in the Quran and it's really, it's very similar to Christianity, but Christianity does the same thing. It's not just Islam, you know, <laughs> right. You talk about the yeah. crusades, you talk about um, what happened in like Bosnia back in the day. Like there's multiple examples of all the faiths. I mean, India, you know, with the Islam and Hindu, all of that conflict, like everywhere that you have differing religions, you're going to have conflict. And when you make statements like that, like it just, I don't know, that's frustrating that they would just make yeah. that overarching assumption. Because in my opinion, the majority, pretty much 99% of all Muslims that I've met, some of the nicest people I know, like, yeah, and you, you just make that overarching statement that France has failed. That's just blows my mind. That's crazy. Right, right. So they're they're crapping on France. They're crapping on the Islamic community. They're crapping on um, anybody with common sense, anybody with counterterrorism um, background or degree or training. It, it's just. It's just such a stupid statement to make. And and here we are. That's what's being uh, hand-fed to Americans. And it's just, it's disgusting, right? So, you know, and it, <laughs> there's an interesting, interesting thing here too. And it, it revolves around community in my mind. And the only way that we can actually effectively 
counterterrorism is not through attrition. It is through community, not kumbaya community, but community that raises its youth in the proper way, a way that is not naturally violent, a way that is understanding. And you could be understanding and still be violent when it's necessary, right? We're not, we're not advocating peace and love by any means. Like there's times to, to go to war. And close with your enemy, but there's other majority of the time, it's a time to actually stop and think about what they're saying and, and understand it and discuss it and just develop an actual educated opinion about it. And that kind of stuff is not happening within a lot of communities out there, whether they're Christian or Islamic or even Hindi. It, and that, that's what I really want people to do more of like spend more time thinking spend less time just spouting off and being angry and if this man would have taken that extra time to think like hmm obviously i'm upset right now because he depicted this controversial cartoon of muhammad however he was doing so in an effort to have a intellectual discussion about free speech. Therefore, he clearly probably is not trying to desecrate my religion, but none of that thought occurred. None of it happened. He got in the car and cut this dude's head off. That kind of shit is unacceptable. And that's where we all need to step up as our own community. And when I reference community, I reference the veteran community. I reference first responder community the so-called, um, you know, independent community, right? Kind of middle of the road, more reasonable folks. And just deter that. Deter it across the board. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. Hopefully that made sense. I will turn it back over to Boomer, though. He's got an interesting thought he would like to bring up before we close this episode out. So bear with us. He's about eight beers deep, but I think he's got some gold in there. What you got, Boomer? Hey. <laughs> what was the thought that I had? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Something well, about uh, your thought, hey, I think, transferred into my thought. The to, social uh, dilemma. Yeah. So yeah. we had talked just a minute ago about... Uh, the influence of social media, right? And I had mentioned um, looking up your actual, what what uh, Boomer had said about uh, the news and the news feed. That's what triggered my thought. I just recently listened to a podcast uh, with Tristan Harris, um, who is a now well-known after their recent um, Netflix show, the social dilemma. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, it's got millions of views on uh, YouTube and Netflix, but it goes back to what Boomer's talking about and what we've kind of been referencing overtly or covertly throughout this whole episode is educate yourself, like Midas said, not necessarily through your traditional educational system, but just like in the world, get out there outside of your 
your bubble or your friend group or your uh, your followers or your your followed get outside of that. And it just I recently listened to this podcast. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, Tristan Harris was on Joe Rogan and um, he was talking about his his new documentary called The Social Dilemma. And if you guys have not listened to it, worth a listen, I would say uh, you'd probably get more benefit out of just watching the documentary because I think it's shorter than the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Something similar may be said about our podcast. They tend to be long, but uh, very informative. But in this case, it's uh, very true. So if you get a chance, Tristan Harris, Social Dilemma, really informative about how we have no longer, we no longer value news for news, for the sake of the news. The news is now tweaked and manipulated to keep you on whatever social media platform you are using. Okay. So if you're friends with people that follow Antifa, or if you're friends with follow Al Jazeera, or if you're friends with people that follow BLM, or if you're friends with people follow uh, some of the far right groups, you know, like uh, QAnon and, you know, stuff like that. If you follow these people and you like things like that, and like these algorithms, AI is getting closer and closer to, you know, Terminator status. Okay. It's, we, we see it on a regular basis. And one of the things that he talks about in this podcast is take you and your partner, you know, whoever it is, or your, or your friend or somebody that you're hanging out with at a bar, take your phone, bring up your Instagram or your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever, because these are all free apps, right? So how do they get you? How do they make money is to keep you on the app. So now you're the commodity. It's no longer trying to give you good news. It's trying to give you what will keep you there. And it's a really interesting twist on how we get our news because a lot of people now, they get their news from these social media apps. And when you get your news from a social media app that is making money from you spending time, what are they going to show you? They're going to show you the the extremes, right? They're going to show you things that will keep you clicking and keep you liking. And it totally distorts what you get to an extent, right? Sure. I I completely agree with you, but I think that that, that only pertains to a certain community out there. Right. Because, and the reason why I counter that is we have seen it on our own Instagram page Right. Like we've used the same hashtags on different accounts for the same exact post. Absolutely. And watched our Instagram account take a huge hit on likes, despite having exponentially more followers than the other account we posted that on. Right. Same time, same hashtags. So like the 2A community, um, any sort of proponents of firearms, hunting, survival skills, any of that stuff is actively censored because it doesn't meet community guidelines. So picture that. So overlaying what Da Vinci just said, 
you've got this entire community of Americans that are huge proponents of owning firearms, of, of being basically prepared to defend yourself. Not even, not anti-government, no fucking loonies, just good old people who are actively censored by the same people who are serving up what other people want on a silver platter. So think about what the other side of the equation is getting. Those who favor huge amounts of gun control. Those who are against Americans being able to defend themselves. Those who are more on the left-leaning side of the house. They're getting everything they could possibly want. While the right side of the house, typically, right, looking at it politically, is basically getting starved of that same information. So think about how that's going to happen. Contrast that with the fact that the head of Twitter was actually uh, questioned by the Senate today, who admitted that censoring the Hunter Biden articles was wrong. Okay, cool. He admitted it was wrong. Everybody in the fucking world knows it was wrong because we have a constitution. So combine all that together, swish it around and drink it. And guess what, guys? We have a bad situation. We call that Kool-Aid in the business. I think. Poop Kool-Aid. It's Kool-Aid with poop in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's honestly sure, that's what we've got. Like it, there's layers to it. Yep. Ogres are like onions. Just like social media. That's right. Boomer, is that is that what you were getting at? Do we we drag that out of your your brain? Is that pretty good? Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> that was excellent. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that we're, you know, tapping into your psyche right here. I was going to say exactly what he said. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, so we're already an hour, 20 minutes in, guys. I had an entire block of time dedicated to covering the, uh, I'm going to still call them current, uh, conflict that's going on in uh, a region of Azerbaijan, known as the Nagorno-Barak region. Uh, It is a hugely active situation that's very hot in Europe right now. And it's just something that we would like to discuss with the world uh, and with you guys that has been largely swept under the rug. Um, it's been pretty interesting. There's a lot of proxy going on, a lot of ethnic tensions there, and a lot of parallels that we've seen across history uh, in some other similarly situated regions straddling uh, ethnically, uh, we'll say, controversial uh, regions across the globe. So we're going to save that for next episode, guys. We're going to dive deep into that. We're going to touch on Asia as well. Uh, Irish is going to be back in the mix with us. He recently uh, moved. He's got a lot going on personally, so we we benched him for this episode. But he's going to be back in full force to flex his master's degree hard. And uh, I think that we're going to be in a decent, decent position to go over some more real news about what's going on in the world um, despite everything else that's happening. Boomer, what else you got, man? You got your hand up. Click the wrong button. Okay, great. 
All right, just want to make sure. So and Boomer strikes again. <laughs> that's right. I got to maintain my character. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're doing a pretty, pretty good job of it, buddy. Oh, oh hey, man. if you guys have anything to say, just click the little hand raise thing. Boomer that's clicks right. his hand raise. Nothing to say. Nothing Other to than say. wrong button. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's good. We're gonna. I'm gonna order you a cricket phone the next time I I see that ad. We're gonna score you away, buddy. And some Velcro in case you shoes. fall and you can't get back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we get him one of those little neck things that uh the life alert? Yeah. Yeah. Life alert. We'll get you one of those. You can click that if you have anything to say on the next podcast. It's probably a good effort. idea. If you click it three times within five seconds, a little bird shows up with four operators who save you. Or whatever you got going on that's good let's market that boys all right anyhow quick summary of this podcast the world's a wild place but guess what guys it always has been and always will be it's been wilder and it's gonna get wilder it's just the nature of our planet so this whole concept of america bad and orange man bad and oh my god the level of atrocities going on right now by the u.s government okay first of all if you want to research atrocities open up a freaking history book okay they're there they are there we are in an unprecedented time of human rights overwatch groups of people trying to do the right thing so don't let the mainstream media lead you astray Okay, we're sitting pretty good right now, despite everything that's going on. Are there some things that need to change? Absolutely. But let's wait. Let's wait. See what all the facts are. Let them present themselves. Actual facts, not just opinion-based articles from both sides of the equation. Let the facts show, and then we can make an educated decision on what's next. Simple, guys. Too easy. Don't get too worked up. Be good people. Be good to your fellow person. Don't antagonize anyone. Believe what you believe. You can stick to your guns all day long, but still be respectful. That's all we ask of you. That's the Path 5 way. We're going to get into more of the Path 5 way here in the next couple episodes. Just to kind of let you guys know, we're not just a group of guys who take pictures of guns and put it on Instagram, right? There's, There's an ethos to this group. There's a reason why we do what we do and why we function in the manner that we do. Reason why we have this podcast and it's for you guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. If you got any time left in your day, head on over to mission first tactical, check out what they've got for sale. Might not be a bad time to grab it since uh, apparently Biden has mentioned that he'd like to ban, um, the sale of weapons parts online, which is just a comically naive statement. But anyhow, something to look at, guys. Get yourself some MFT minimalist stocks. Their mags are prime. Uh, I know magazines are a big deal. It's going to be $200 tax per magazine, according to Biden's new regime, allegedly. So, yeah, the day I pay that is going to be a fun one.
Anyhow, guys, I don't want to go down that road. You know what it is. Be good people. Hit us up on Instagram. Leave us some feedback. We want to know how we're doing. Boomers might suck today. We know that. It's okay. Stuff happens, all right? Other than that, we want your feedback. We want to know what's going on. It's not okay. I'm going to get yelled at after this. It's true. I'm about to chew some ass. Uh, anyhow, it's it's okay, though. In the, in the realm of the world, it's all right, man. So be good people. Take care of each other. Hit us up. Give us feedback. Drop that follow button. Subscribe to us. We really appreciate it. If you have any proposed topics, let us know. We've got about two or three on the docket, but we've got some open space moving forward. And just a, a fair warning, we're probably going to take a little bit of a uh, a break during the holidays. This team's been working hard this year, real hard. Civilian life, military careers, everything, just going full bore, making it happen. And we got to respect that. I've got to respect that as this team's leader and give the guys some space. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Have a great rest of your day or night. And thank you so much for spending time with us.